turn. Alright, take him. Take him. It's a nice buck. Take him. Heck yeah, buddy. Awesome shot. He's going down. Welcome to the Hunt and Fish Network podcast. All right, ladies and gents, welcome back to another episode of the Hunt and Fish Network podcast. I'm your host, Ed Woolley, a.k.a. Mr. Muley Tines. And episode seven today, got my buddy Chad Wright from Broken Arrow Outfitters in New Mexico. How's it going, Chad? It's going good, man. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Yeah, no problem, man. You want to uh, start off with just a little introduction for the uh, podcast listeners? Absolutely, Ed. Uh, my name is Chad Wright, and I uh, started Broken Arrow Outfitters in New Mexico in 2020. And uh, we've just steadily been growing ever since. And uh, uh, we're really looking forward to what 2023 has to has to hold for us this year. What uh, what kind of got you into hunting, Chad? Or how did you get into hunting? You know, my dad was a bow hunter, an avid elk hunter growing up. So I was pretty lucky uh, in the respect that I was always around bow hunting and especially elk hunting. And uh, he also owned an archery shop uh, growing up. So I got to sit around and listen to all the cool elk stories and all the all the awesome just wilderness, wild mountain stories. So I was captivated, I guess, from just a since I could ever remember. Heck, yeah. Kind of tell us how uh, Broken Arrow got started or how the name came about. Okay. We... uh. I guided for, you know, another outfitter for several years uh, to get going. And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank uh, everyone that's helped me along the way, because I definitely learned a lot from everybody. So uh, he decided that he was going to uh, semi-retire and I didn't know what I was going to do uh, as far as guiding and, and such as that. And uh, I'm a 18 year cop. So I've got two years, literally under two years until I retire. So I kind of had to make some decisions on what I wanted to do. Uh, the only holdup was, is it was right during the middle of COVID and what, what better time to start up a business right during the middle of COVID. So I was a little gun shy about it. Uh, we ended up going ahead and launching it and with the, with the only hopes of just getting a foundation, getting our feet wet and maybe getting a good, good start for when I retire. And man, ever since day one, We've been nothing but blowing and going. So it's it's been a true blessing for us. That's awesome, man. What's your uh, favorite thing about guiding? You know, we, we get to take a lot of different people from a lot of different uh, walks of life, a lot of different career paths, a lot of different, uh, you know, basically different because – not everyone was raised in the West hunting and fishing, especially elk and mule deer. You know, a lot of people, you know, never done anything but sit in a tree stand. And next thing you know, when these wide open spaces out West and just, just watching their reactions and just that, that, that pure enjoyment when they they're finally able to harvest, maybe, maybe the hunt of their lifetime. Cause you know, not everybody can come out West every year. So I think just the enjoyment of watching our hunters uh, succeed and finally accomplish maybe lifetime goals. That would probably be probably the best. Yeah. That's kind of how I am building relationships and watch. I mean, my favorite is probably watching the new hunters when they, oh, yeah, when they shoot something, they go, they go nuts. It's pretty, pretty cool. I mean, I, I tell a lot of my guys, if you don't get buck fever anymore, you might as well hang your stuff up. 
Absolutely. You should always get excited. I mean, you can ask any of our guides. I mean, we're, we're all excited. It's almost like it's our first hunt every time because that, that's just the kind of passion that we're going to try to bring to a hunt each time. Heck yeah. What are the key traits in a good outfitter and what should a client look for in hiring an outfitter in your opinion? You know, Ed, I, I think it really comes down to the guides really. Uh, I think you could probably ask the main guides of an outfitter, how long they've worked with them, how long they've known them and what kind of relationship they have with the outfitter. I bet you, if you get the answers to those questions, you'd, you'd have it figured out pretty quick. But, uh, I, I think having great guides in the field, not good guides, there's, there's a lot of good people out there, but great guides, the best that'll, that'll go that extra mile. And not only when their hunt's done, but they'll help each other. And that's what we've tried to build at, at Broken Arrow is, is more of a family atmosphere that there's, there's no competition between guides or, or anyone that, that it's all a team effort. And we're all trying to work towards the, the common goal of helping not only one client, but all the clients that we have. Heck yeah. What, uh, you got a uh, favorite hunting story you want to share with us? One that maybe stands out? Oh, you know, I've, I've thought about this long and hard as I've moved through my career, but, uh, this one, I'll, I'll try to give you the short version and I'll try not to, to tear up on this one. But, uh, I have a buddy that, uh, his wife was uh, diagnosed with cancer and she had probably less than six months to go. And he drew one of our coveted archery tags right during the middle of all this. And uh, I had some clients in camp and I, I took care of the clients, but I really wasn't thinking about anything. But when I got finished, I called him and just just out of the whim that he was able to, to come up for a day or two. And he said he just couldn't because of his wife and she was not in very good health. So uh, I said, OK. So I get on the road and I start heading home and he calls me and he said that his wife behind his back had scheduled an additional uh, dose of chemo so she can make the hunt. So I turned around, we, we went back up to the, to the Hills and uh, long story short, we, we had some epic, epic encounters. We had some, some hellacious moments in a day and a half and we were able to harvest his first archery elk and she, she passed a couple months later. So I think that hunt will always stick with me as probably being my favorite. Yeah, that's pretty. That's a pretty awesome story for sure. That's cool that she could make the hunt to watch him shoot that. She she made the hunt. His another cool element to that was is he has two sons, and the oldest son stood back in camp and took care of her, and the youngest son hunted with us. So man, it was. <laughs> I'll nice. tell you what, when when everybody got back to camp and everybody joined up, <laughs> pretty special, pretty special. Yeah. And that's uh, th there's there's no price tag for moments like that, man. Heck no, man. That, yeah, that's awesome. Appreciate you sharing that story. What uh, units do you guys specialize in in New Mexico? You know, Ed, basically the entire state now. Uh, but we do a lot of our stuff in Unit 34, 36, Unit 12, 13. Uh, we can do 17. I, man, I could kind of rattle on, on and on. But basically, we're only going to hunt some of the top quality units, man, because I don't think anybody wants to go on on one of those elk hikes, as I would call them, to where you're doing nothing but hiking and not seeing a dirt thing. So uh, we we focus on the quality units, and uh, our goal is to if you draw that tag or you're you're able to purchase that tag, then we're gonna we're gonna have a heck of a hunt. 
Heck yeah. What, uh, do you guys just specialize in mule deer and elk or do you have other stuff that you specialize in as well? And anything that you can think of that has hair on it in New Mexico, man, we, uh, we do Ibex, we do bighorn sheep, Oryx. Uh, we have a place in Texas for Barbary sheep as well. So, uh, we get to kind of do that year round, uh, bear, anything that you can think of in New Mexico, we can do. Heck yeah. That's awesome. You guys have anything available for 2023? If anybody's didn't draw their tags and are looking to come down to New Mexico to hunt. You know, our Texas sheep ranch, uh, we, we usually have, we can squeeze in some availability uh, spots on that place. Uh, we, we could potentially have a couple antelope hunts for this August or October. Uh, maybe one or two mule deer, but everything just goes so quick anymore. Ed, if, if you're not kind of a year ahead in this game, maybe two years, it's, it's getting tougher and tougher to, to, to get some of these hunts booked, but I could come across some private land tags, you know, kind of at the last moment that, that something could pop up. Right on. Yeah. It seems like after all these draws get done, I have a lot of clients call in saying, Hey man, I didn't draw. You got anything? I'm like, well, I asked you about this the first year and you said you wanted to wait, but yeah, see so, what I, I see what I can drum up for you. What do you, uh, do you guys have any, hunts available for 2023 in case people didn't draw tags and are looking for a hunt for this fall yeah you know just uh, get a hold of us we may have possibly have a couple antelope that may come available maybe a mule deer uh we're we're really hot on the trail of trying to secure some new mexico uh private landowner tags for elk which will be valid for the entire unit so those are those are kind of a hard thing to get your hands on so uh there's still there's still some uh, possibility for 2023, but man, everything's staying booked out pretty, you know, for a year or so. Heck yeah. So can you kind of tell us like a, a day with broken arrow, like where do you fly into? Like if a guy books a hunt, where does he fly into? How many days the hunt is kind of just go through a whole day, like wake up, you go out for four hours, come in for lunch, go back out. Yeah, Absolutely. I think we're unique in the in the fact that we hunt several different units and we're hunting all across the state. So that may look a little different depending on where we're at. But uh, uh, let's, let's just say maybe an elk hunt or or something that's relatively close to the house. We have a small little airport here in Hobbs, New Mexico, where we're based out of. Uh, it's there's a connect from Houston and there's a connect from Denver. So there's usually a, a pretty easy connect to get straight to here. Uh, we've got a hunter coming in next week that'll fly right into Hobbs. We'll pick him up and go. Uh, El Paso, Texas is probably the next closest to our elk country. Uh, and Midland, Texas is the next closest to our hometown. Uh, so those are kind of the fly-in spots, uh, and we can pick you up if needed. Uh, just, just whatever those accommodations need to be, we can take care of that. But on a typical elk hunt, I think our bread and butter is, is our, you know, our archery elk hunts. I think that's what we all live for at, at the Broken Arrow Camp is, is screaming bulls. But, uh, we're, we're really fortunate and blessed enough to have a, a seven bedroom lodge. That's, that's really nice. It's, it's five star, almost four and a half. Anyway, it's got a hot tub and a wraparound porch and everything you can think of on, on what you would want on a nice hunting lodge. Uh, so we're based out of there. Uh, we're, we'll bring a, a full blown cook in. So you're going to have, you know, you're going to eat great. Uh, we're going to hunt hard. 
the unit's not built to where you have to stay out all day. Uh, we'll be able to come in for a really nice mid midday brunch, uh, maybe even squeeze a nap in. If, if, that's, if your feet need a nap, you can take a nap, get in the hammock, uh, you know, and then we'll get back after it in the afternoon. Uh, that's our typical elk hunt for us. We're, we're really fortunate. We don't have to go 10 miles deep to find elk. We're, we're finding elk a quarter mile deep. So it's pretty, it's pretty neat. Heck yeah. What, uh, when guys come to hunt with you, what can they expect for deer quality? You know, I, I, we do some public land stuff, Ed. So, I mean, we never want to try to oversell a, a hunt. We want to try to make sure we're, we're advertising exactly what it is. So on our public land hunts, we're trying to, we're really trying to target 150 inch deer. Uh, but with that said, our very first public land deer that hit the ground last year scored 173. So uh, it's, it's, it's that public land thing that the, the potential's there, but you know, we don't want to sell every client that, Hey, you're going to shoot 173 inch deer because that's just not realistic, but we're going to hunt hard on those uh, public land hunts. Our private land hunts were, that's where we'll, we'll start really targeting on 170 inch deer or better. Uh, that's kind of what we're after. And then on your elk, what kind of class of bulls or guys usually chasing probably depends on the season. Uh, yeah, you know, the, the archery season, I, I think our goal and what we tell guys, I think the whole elk world has gotten so crazy over a certain inch and a certain number. And uh, so we talk about the realistic expectations of it. And, uh, you know, there's 350 inch elk in every unit that we hunt. We see 350 inch elk every year, but that doesn't mean that we'll harvest a 350 inch elk with a archery equipment. You know, it's, there's a lot of, a lot of elements there. So we tell our clients that we're, our target bull is a 300 inch bull. That's a mature bull. And then if we shoot anything above that, that's, that's kind of a bonus. But again, if you kind of undersell over, overperform because we shoot three thirties and three forties every year. So, but we want, we want to manage expectations. We, we want guys to know the exact truth when they're coming into camp, what to expect. Yeah, no, for sure. I, we, I know we get guys that they call and say, Oh, I'm not shooting a 180 or smaller buck, but, then when they get into camp, you take them out and they see a 170 and they shoot it before you can even say anything. And you're like, I thought you weren't going to shoot anything lower than 180. And Yeah, no, same thing with elk. You know, we've had yeah. guys that, that weren't going to shoot anything under a 340. And, uh, you know, you, we find a 350 and we're hunting them and we, we have a legitimate chance at maybe harvesting this elk. And the first raghorn that comes in, when, you know, when we get on, on the herd, uh, they smoke them and they <laughs> They're like, I smoked the first one I saw. And I was like, well, if it was the first one, it probably wasn't the herbal. So, and we have to work through that, but then they're still happy. So I, I, I think that's also pretty cool is when you get a guy that comes in that wants to shoot a 330 or nothing. And then he's tickled pink at a 310 bull. He's like, man, this is the coolest experience I've ever had. So it's, to me, it's about the experience and about, about what, what trips your trigger at the time. If that animal makes you happy and that's, that fulfills your, your goal then and let's go let's go let's do it and that's that's where my mind is obviously we're trying to kill the biggest animals out there and you know i think our our previous uh, success speaks that we you know we're shooting some really nice animals but it would yeah for sure what uh like when your archery hunters come out what uh yardage do you tell them that they need to be proficient at or confident at you know, when we're in, when we're in a rut hunt, that's, that's full blown, 
Uh, I'm going to tell you that 90% of the time it's going to be a top pin bull. That's what we call it. I mean, uh, we've nicknamed our guides the top pin guides. I mean, because we're calling in bulls and we're putting them right in your face and you don't have to think about it. You use your top pin. But there is that situation sometimes. So what what I tell people to do is once they get 20, 30, and 40 really dialed in, to just use that as your warm-up and maybe to finish and everything else shooting as far as you really can can shoot because I'm a firm believer that if you get proficient at 80, 90, it's going to make 40 even even easier for you, you know. And then if you have to make that 70 or 80, 90 yard shot, you've put in the practice to be able to to you know make that shot work for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I put that post up on my Instagram the other night about Eastern hunters asking me what they need to be proficient at, and when I put that. 90 to 100 yards to be confident man i got slammed pretty hard but you never know the scenario might come where big bull you know, steps I, out at 90 yards and if you got a clean shot and you're confident that far you could put it right in the boiler maker i think everybody's skill sets are different too ed so i think that's a personal question and, and that's a that's an ethical and moral issue that you have to have with yourself you know i don't know what your abilities and skill sets are especially under stress and pressure so I mean, I know guys all day long that that I have a lot of faith at them shooting at seventy and eighty yards, and then I know some guys I don't have faith shooting at thirty or forty. <laughs> yeah, so, I'm, I'm I'm the same way. There's guys I'm, that I have come out. They're like, I know for sure that if something walked out at ninety five, they're gonna be able to smoke it. But like you say, there's other guys that they say they could do it, but you know in your head if they if they fling an arrow, it's gonna get wounded or something something not good's gonna happen. Yeah, so we, so so to be honest with you, I really, I really try to keep an elk shot under sixty if I can. I mean, I I can't even think of a recent elk shot that was for us on our archery hunts that were over that was over 30, 32 yards. So uh, we just really don't have that during our archery hunts. We're hunting pine, you know, thick forests, and we're not hunting a lot of open country. So it's usually right in your face right now. So. Uh, but that that's kind of my take on shooting, you know, a little bit longer distance. What about a rifle? What do you usually have your guys get dialed into? You know, it just like, it's like, I'm sure you're aware. I mean, this, this whole rifle, the technology and stuff behind some of these guns is just unbelievable. And I, we joke about it all the time that the 600 is the old 300, you know, like when I grew up, if you made a shot at 300, I mean, I can remember the old guys saying, Oh, I made a 300 yard shot. And then everyone was like, Oh my gosh, you did what? And now that's a chip shot. I mean, if we miss a 300 yard shot now. It's like, what, what happened? Like something else had to happen. So, you know, again, we work hard to try to, you know, we have those guys that want to shoot at eight, 900. And I do my best to say, how about we get to 300? We knock that animal down and we, well, let's just start high five and, <laughs> and let's celebrate the moment versus, Flinging lead at eight nine hundred yards, you know. So, yeah, uh, that, that's my take on it. Yeah, I mean, when this whole deal in Utah was going down with the trail cameras and all that stuff, I kind of got into it with a lot of the long range shooters because I said if if you if you could talk to a bull elk, I guarantee you they'd rather walk by a trail camera ten times than be standing out there at a thousand yards getting shot at ten times because they know at thousand yards they're gonna they're going to get put down, but on a trail camera, they're just walking by. It's just pictures of them. There's a decent 
decent chance that they may not get killed. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of crazy laws that are starting to go into effect, and some of those haven't hit New Mexico yet. I'm sure they're, they're, they're not too far off. But, you know, again, I think it's, it's the preparation that you put in and, and how prepared you are on what, what yardage you should take even on the rifle side. So, and you got to have the gun to do it. That's right. So what, uh, if a guy wants to contact you about coming to hunt with you guys at Broken Arrow, can you kind of give your contact info website and stuff like that? Absolutely. Uh, man, it's hard to keep that darn website up to date, man. It's with everything that changes. It, we started it first off and I promise you it's been the, the least helpful thing in the whole business side of the world for us right now. Social media has been basically taken over everything that we do. So uh, we're, we're on Instagram at broken underscore arrow underscore outfitting uh, on Instagram. And we're the uh, bull elk with the American flag uh, basically. And we love our country here at broken arrow and we love elk hunting. So that's kind of how broken arrow became, became a name. And it's, it's also the name of our ranch that we live on here in New Mexico. Heck yeah. Is there anything uh, else, anything else you want to say before I end this? You know, we're just a bunch of rednecks out there just giving her hell, man. And uh, we're, we're trying to get more stuff on video and we're trying to learn this technology side of things. And we've got a couple of things on YouTube. We're going to try to get better at putting more and more content on YouTube, but uh, there's some really neat videos on there right now. Broken arrow TV. Again, it's the elk with uh, the American flag through it. So check us out on YouTube as well. Uh, and my phone number is probably the best, man. That's probably the best way to get a hold of me. It's uh, Chad Wright at 575-390-6119. Right on, man. Uh, I appreciate you hopping on today and taking time out of your day to get out here and chat hunting with me. Looking forward yes. to uh, building a relationship with you on this Hunting Fish Network project. Absolutely, buddy, man. We're ready to, to get clients out in the field in 2023 and 2024 and, uh, you know, make some, make some memories out there. Heck yeah. Good luck to you guys. Absolutely, buddy.